What does an 18-year veteran of the tech industry and a 20-year veteran of the military have in common? More than you might think. Welcome everyone to the, the Second, Second Act podcast, podcast, leveling up your life's journey. Hey, welcome back. How you doing, Michael? I am doing fantastic. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things uh, headed our way in terms of the podcast, in terms of the uh, ripple effects yeah. of the, the fundraiser um, that that yeah. we have done with Higher Heroes, and um, just you know, headed into twenty four, there's a, a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be grateful for, and really a lot to be excited about. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's just an exciting time. We've got Christmas right around the corner and, um, you know, feelings in the air. My boys are checking under the tree every <laughs> single day to see what's been added. Um, but uh, really, I'm really excited about this week and leading up to the new year. And and it always is an exciting time. Leading into the new year, people get a lot of things on their calendars to start the, start the year off strong. And I think this show is going to help some of those people really start off strong and really avoid some of the pitfalls that we've, um, you know, fallen into over the past couple uh, months and years. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. And also knowing that we, we have our own pitfalls. Every, everyone's got them as they go through the, through the process, right? Like yeah. they're, they're not alone and, yeah. uh, falling in some holes, circumventing some holes that are, that are in that, that rocky road, less traveled. Um, yeah. You know, it, it amazes me uh, how diverse the backgrounds and stories are with our our guests, both the ones we've had and the ones uh, that that we plan to have on the show. Individuals who um, are leaving or have left corporate America, active duty military, military veterans, serial entrepreneurs, first time entrepreneurs, artists, producers, um, and the list goes on and on. Uh, yeah, and in this episode, we are excited to be joined by Adrian Jones, uh, a native Californian who later grew up outside Denver, and eventually made his way all the way east to Massachusetts. Adrian's second act came to him after a life-changing bike ride. Uh, more to come on that. Oh. Um, but his early professional career was spent in the consulting and financial services sectors, with industry titans such as Deloitte. Wells Fargo, BlackRock, Schwab, where he served in leadership roles that spanned everything from business strategy to product management to channel marketing. And I think it was nearly 25 years in the corporate world uh, where he reached his inflection point and set out on his own entrepreneurial journey and started More, which is a platform for successful yet unfulfilled Gen Xers to get more out of life. Uh, outside of work, Adrian's gone the distance and just celebrated his 25th wedding anniversary. Congratulations, Adrian, on that. Hey, congratulations. So That's much. a big one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got two amazing children and you enjoy hobbies that include skiing, cooking, podcasting, uh, and spending time with family. Welcome. Welcome, Adrian. Yeah. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. It's really great to be here. What a wonderful way to kick off the week with you two. And I'm so stoked for this conversation. Man, I'm stoked to get into it. Uh, I will say, Adrian, out of your hobbies, those are my hobbies minus 
the skiing, I'd I'd strap on a snowboard instead. But man, cooking, I love podcasting and then time with my family. I think our uh, we're aligned there. So love it, excited, love it. And even though you're a snowboarder, I'll make exceptions and uh, we can make some turns together. <laughs> It's the big debate, exactly. the big debate. Yes, sir. My kids are snowboarders as well, and they'd say, I don't know if we can trust those skiers. <laughs> so, but today I'll make an exception. There you go. All right. There used to be some mountains in Colorado that, that wouldn't allow snowboarders. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that's all sort of fallen by the wayside, but uh, it, I think it was Aspen Mountain used to prohibit snowboarders, but now it's, it's one would. love among Aspen. everyone. <laughs> Well, man, uh, I guess I'll, I'll kick this off if you don't mind, yeah, Michael. Yeah, let's do it. So, Adrian, I, I heard a native, native Californian made your way all the way to Massachusetts. Uh, sounds like a military transition, but <laughs> now, in, in, there you go. Now you're back again in California that's right. as of today. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And mm-hmm. and you have a, a little bit of a non-traditional childhood, but the one that you seem grateful for. So if you would tell us about your your childhood, your personal journey, and maybe include some of the standout memories that you had who shaped you uh, or who you are today. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. Uh, And thanks for that. Um, I uh, was born many, many, many moons ago here. And I say here because I am back in in Northern California in Marin County uh, back in October 1969. And when I was... um, Actually, I lived in San Francisco, born in Marin County, but lived in San Francisco till I was four. But a really important piece to my early, early days puzzle was I'm adopted. Uh, and I was adopted at 19 days old by a, by a, a young couple wow. in San Francisco. And I don't actually know anything about those first 19 days, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, in those days, adoptions were closed. And so what they did is uh, the my biological mother gave birth to me and I was swept away post-birth and into the nursery. And nowadays in open adoptions and other things, it's a little bit different. But in those days, it was, you're born and gone. You were swept away, no contact with your biological wow. family. And for those 19 days, I actually don't know what happened to me, <laughs> truth be told. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, I was adopted at 19 days old and and lived in San Francisco till I was four. Ah, gosh, I probably was getting close to my second birthday when my parents adopted my younger sister, who was then three months old. And I remember she's showing up at the house uh, and she's got blonde hair and and, uh, more fair complexion. If you guys see me here on the screen, what's left of my dark hair that's not turning gray. (laughs) I grew to be taller, you know, my my younger, my childhood days I wasn't, but um, I'm very strikingly physically different than my sister, even when I first met her. And that was very atypical, right? I mean, most typical families, if you will, uh, if you're an older sibling, uh, your mother gets pregnant and and you are introduced to the, the concept of having a sibling through her pregnancy and so on and so forth. Uh, in this instance, uh, younger sister magically appeared one day and my parents said, here's your sister. Like, whoa, okay, what's this mean? <laughs> and I said, poker and like, what does she do here? How does she fit into this whole program? But anyways, it was great to have her, and uh, she and I are still super tight now nowadays anyways. But um, that was pretty an exciting moment. And when I was four, Dad took a job in Denver. So we left San Francisco and moved. Actually, you guys will appreciate this. I lived in Littleton, uh, just south mm-hmm. of Denver. Okay. Yeah. And did my formative years there 
from 74 to 87. Okay. Um, and I became a diehard Broncos fan in the process. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, it was great going up to growing up and going to mile high stadium and watching the Broncos in the seventies and, and, uh, when they had a hard time beating the Raiders, but the place got loud and would shake with everyone stomping their feet in the stands. Um, are you still a Broncos fan? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. I, I, I do really like the Niners too. So yeah. to my Niners friends who are listening might be a little shocked, but actually if they know me, they know I also <laughs> love the Broncos, but uh, just one of those strange things yeah, um, yeah, yeah. where I love, where I love both those organizations. Uh, so I've got some roots. Uh, I'm not native to Colorado, but spent the really good formative years there. And you ask about some really powerful moments that, that stood out for me yeah. uh, growing up in Colorado. One that really stood out for me was in my early teenage years, my mom uh, became sick with ovarian cancer and she was given a 25% chance of making it. And, and wow. as you guys know, you're Coloradoans, there are 52, yeah. uh, 14,000 footer peaks in Colorado yep. that uh, you can hike and there are varying degrees of difficulty. But I think if you've ever done one 14,000 footer, you know, it's it takes a fair amount of conditioning and it's it strenuous yep. to ascend a peak of that elevation. I'll yep. never forget mom when she was in the, speaking of peaks, in the peak of her chemotherapy and going through it all, she didn't have hair. She was a, her body was a bit of a bit of a fraction of what it was when she was fully healthy. She did not stop climbing those mountains. And I'll never forget yep. climbing one, actually, sadly, I don't remember the exact peak, but we got to the top. She was wearing a hat and she took her hat off and had us take a picture of her because she wanted it to show her doctors, her oncologists, that she was yeah. not going to be denied her life and wow. her goals of climbing these mountains. Yeah. She, she was doing it before she became sick, I guess is the preamble there. But to do it when you are fighting cancer and you're not well and you're dealing with chemotherapy yeah. in the early 80s, not a pleasant thing, but she fought through it. And that fight showed a lot to me mm -hmm. that if you have the will, you can do it. It can be done. It's just, do you have it within you to do it and to conquer the odds? And we all face odds. And this is not one of my life metaphoric lessons on things, but it was just really powerful to me. Like we're climbing a mountain and here she is doing it. And she gets to the top and she's like, you know what? I'm going to take a picture and I'm totally bald on the top of this mountain and just take a picture. And I want to show my oncologist that I did this. And I just thought, well, that is so wow. cool. It really, really resonated with me. It still does. Got a little yeah. emotional thinking about that. Well, that was really a really powerful moment for me. And as I got older, you know, one of the things that was interesting being adopted is I, I knew at a very early age that I was adopted, but it was never in doubt that I was a, I'm a Jones, that I was a member of the Jones family. This was my family. This was my kin. Yep. My dad's grandfather. So my great grandfather in my, my adoptive family was a U.S. Senator from New Mexico. And he's known in our family lore as the Senator. He was the first <laughs> Democrat. He was the first Democrat Senator. He's the only Senator in our family, but he's the first Democrat Senator from the state of New Mexico. Okay. And he co-sponsored the wow. bill on women's suffrage uh, <laughs> in the 19, late, like 17, 18, 19. So roughly a no little under hundred years ago. Okay. Yeah. A little over hundred years ago, I should say. And that, obviously I never met the guy. I only know what the family uh, shared with me at the time, but that really stuck with me. Like, gosh, like we can go on to do really cool and important tasks. Yeah. 
and we can become politicians and we can do things to help people. And I thought that was really cool. And I really anchored myself to that person and my family. Like that, that can be done. And even though I don't share uh, an ounce of genetic material with that man, it was still yeah. someone that I really anchored to and, and, and had looked up to uh, throughout the course of my life. I, I mean, those two events that, that you just described are, are highly unique, um, but they provided an amazing amount of inspiration, not just to, uh, to oneself and, and their immediate family, but the story that you're able to tell and the photo that you're able to share or that has been shared by your mom and the impact of what your, was it your great-grandfather? Yes. Um, had in that process, the significance of of that and the impact that that's had on um, society in ways you know and, and maybe don't know are, are really something to just um, embrace and and use for for good in in so many different ways. It's it's uh, it's phenomenal yeah. to use my friend John Ballinger's favorite word. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it is. I'm blown away by that. You know, Adrian, that story is so impressive. And you're right. Even though your non-biological parents are, are, you know, mother and grandfather are doing these amazing things, what you're presented with and what you see on a daily basis impacts you to such an extraordinary mm -hmm. level. It doesn't matter if you're genetic, you know, if it's within your genes or not. So that what you were able to be surrounded by is amazing. Yeah. Uh, very lucky. I, I, I was ad adopted by a, a really terrific family. And I think to your, your point, John, it's, a, it's an interesting point you make in that, as you said that, I was thinking, I think you have to also be open to things. Um, yeah. Yes. And it might not be the, the traditional journey that you're on and the typical, like being an adopted kid, kid in the seventies was what well, was it? It was not unusual, but it, it wasn't common. Um, but we took it as, as this is what it is. In fact, when I was told, as I remember now, my parents, my parents and I have a ongoing to this day, we have a debate about when they told me I was adopted. I claim it was when I was in fourth grade and they said, no, 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 no. We told you much younger. You just didn't understand it till fourth grade. I said, no, no, no. You didn't tell me till I was in fourth grade because that's when you told me because that's when I remember it. But anyways, point being, I went to school the next day and told anyone who'd listened to me, I'm adopted. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm pretty sure there were other adopted kids in my class or in the school at least. And, and I don't think they were out there as I was. But to me, that was really how I, I began to, to, to identify myself and put myself out in the, in the community. Like, this is who I am. But I think, John, I'm circling around to the point I wanted to make is no matter what your circumstance is, if you are open to learning and you are looking for the signals and you are yeah, uh, open and eager to find those signals, uh, you can be exposed to some really tremendous things. Yeah. And I think it's a mindset thing. And I'm not saying I've got the perfect mindset and everyone's got to follow Adrian Jones' mindset. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it just, it's just an interesting observation, John, that you had that said that I wanted to riff on for a sec. Yeah. Wow. So you, you're developing this mindset during your, your formative years, um, overcoming, seeing family members overcome obstacles in various ways. 
which I'm sure played a role in developing your work ethic, your focus on achievement, your idea of perseverance. So tell us a little bit how you climbed, who you, how you used that to climb the professional ranks of, of the places, the financial institutions where you worked, eventually landing in leadership positions. Uh, tell us a bit about that. And then were there any standout moments along the way that in hindsight were precursors to the lead into what is now your second act? Yeah, that's a tremendous question. Thank you for asking it. You know, I think going back to my mother's story about fighting cancer, and she did successfully fight cancer. She's still with us and doing very well. Amazing. Wow. Hello. Yeah, and I used her story to apply to uh, in my college applications. And in fact, I, I, I think I actually used it when I applied to business school. I got my MBA from, from UCLA. And one of the key things that's probably intuitively obvious here is overcoming long odds and setting a goal and conquering it. And that was the epitome of that story that I shared with you about my mom. Yeah. Um, almost it's trite to say, but, but that's literally what happened and what she did. So I think, Michael, for, for your question, I, I think I didn't know it at the time, but those messages got stuck deep within me about mm. setting a goal, conquering it, knowing that life could set you back, but not letting that be a setback. But it could be, and I didn't know this at the time in my in my 20s or so or early 30s or what have you. I'm much older than that now, disqualifier or qualifier. But <laughs> but, uh, but um but 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 in those early years of my young adulthood, I just knew that you had to go for it and stay with it. And that was what what really stuck with me. And I and I think those were messages that I got. Uh, either from books that I read that my parents shared with me and advice and coaching that they provided along the way, the people that I affiliated with as friends in my peer group and my friends, friendship circles, but was all about going for it and, and knowing that you're going to have some setbacks. And I think in the early years, when you start having setbacks, you're going to get knocked down, right? We all get knocked down yep. time and time yeah. and time again, like daily, we get these knockdowns and sometimes you don't see them, but you have them. And it's how you respond to them and using them as a way to, you know, not even bounce back, but bounce forward. And that's the, what I think really, as I look back in my, my older and I hope wiser years now that I was doing along the way as, as I was growing my career. So for me, I actually, quite honestly, Michael, I thought I was going to be a diplomat. That was my driving purposes. I went to college. I studied, yeah, I studied international relations. I, I was like the international relations geek at college. Like, oh, he's one of them. Like I was president of our student society. I worked in the department. I went to Europe. I went to Brussels uh, and studied abroad and had an internship at NATO. Like I am all no in kidding. on being, yeah, all in on being a diplomat. Okay. Uh, and I think John, you're a, you're from the military, right? I am. In fact, I, I did a trip to Brussels as well. I went to NATO headquarters and got to brief there a couple of years ago. Oh, no so way. I'm, intri I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, yeah. I worked in the press department at, at SHAPE at the Supreme Headquarters of Allied Powers yep. Europe, the military side of, of NATO in Mals, Belgium. Yeah. Uh, which was just a total trip and a whole other story. <laughs> but um, but anyways, point is, I wanted to be a diplomat. And when I, when I got out of school, I went back to Belgium, got a job there, had problems with my work permit, had to come back to the States and ended up getting a job in financial services. 
thinking that I would go get my master's of foreign affairs and go back into the, the or go into the state department or, or back overseas. But life had other plans and I ended up getting an MBA thinking I would go the business route and then go overseas and then maybe get a political appointment into uh, a diplomatic uh, type uh, civil servant role. And that never happened. Um, but so life just takes us in different places. But I always wanted yeah. to, uh, I don't know, success for me was just advancing and moving forward. Uh, I, I, I sort of lost sight of my goals uh, mid-career in financial services mm -hmm. about what I was trying to do, where I wanted to be. But I, I knew that I had to keep moving forward, uh, getting in another promotion and, and one thing in another. Um, and getting more responsibility and more compensation and all those sorts of things. Was there something in there, Adrian, that caused that fog, that fuzziness at, at the point, maybe mid, mid career where, uh, you, caused you to start to lose sight of where you wanted to go next? What, what was that? I don't know. I think I was just swept up in, um, you know, we had got married, had kids, uh, a daughter, then a son, and was just trying to put bread on the table and save for retirement. Right. And I just sure. didn't know it, but I was on that hamster wheel and doing that thing and yeah. going to work and being up and eating breakfast and being out the door before anyone in the family was awake and trying to get home for dinner. And I, yeah. I made a real effort to be home for dinner, but just did that for years. And that was almost on autopilot really. Yeah. Um, wow. and just doing my best to get the next, to, to do a great job at work, to get a promotion and, and move forward as I could with the skills that I have. And it wasn't until I, I was working um, with, a, with a guy who, if he listens to this, he'll know who he is. His first name's Robert. And he was, and to this day, has been the best business partner I ever got to work with. One afternoon, we were talking in his office, and we just had a, a meeting, a one-to-one -one meeting, going over some, some strategy plans we had for, he ran sales for a distribution team, and I was helping him devise a strategy for them. We wrapped up the meeting, and I was walking out of the the office, his office. And he he stopped me. He said, "Adrian, he said, let me get it. Let me ask you a question." I said, "Yeah, shoot, Robert." And he asked, "What are you doing to put a dent in the world?" <laughs> mm. Yeah, and as you guys responded, it's exactly how I responded. <laughs> I thought, yep. "Wow, I didn't see this question coming." I'm not surprised it came from him because he's all about making a difference and being involved in the community in any way that he possibly can. So it didn't. That wasn't surprising. Just fielding that question, that moment caught me. And I, was, I had the same re response you guys did. I was like, whoa. And I quickly thought, well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I coach youth soccer in our, our uh, yep. uh, community soccer league, our rec soccer league here. I raise money for the school foundation. I'd raised thousands at this, this point or whatever. And I didn't feel like my answer was adequate. As I shared this with him, he just sort of looked yeah. at me and, and nodded his head and said, you know, I shared all that with him and he goes, oh, nice. And I walked away from that. And this was in 20, uh, early 2011. And, uh, it's been many years and I still think about that conversation. And that really sat with me as wow. how am I putting a dent in the world? And not to assign judgment on one person's dent versus another person's dent. It's just right. what is my dent that I'm going to put in the world? Yeah. Adrian, would you say that that interaction was the defining moment in your life that caused you to kind of question everything, pause and figure out if you needed to change your direction? 
it was not the defining moment, but it clearly was okay. a, a powerful moment for me and a, and a question that, that kicked off a lot of reflection around that topic. How am I putting a dent in the yeah. world? And how best do I do that? And is being a father the dent that I need to be putting in the world? And that's <laughs> a phenomenal, being a yeah, great engaged it's huge. parent. That's an amazing yep. dent. That's one of the most important roles we have on this planet. Absolutely. Is to be a, yes. a, a, a wonderful parent to your children, to raise them and be be there for them and be present with them. What an amazing gift you can give your kids. Uh, yeah. But I, for me, I felt like there's got to be something more that I can do. And 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 tying it back, John, tying it back to being adopted, I always felt as a kid that I was meant to be here, that I had a higher purpose. Um, now, I was, I was born pre-Roe v. Wade, but my biological mother still had choices to make. Mm-hmm. And her choice sure. was to have this child and to get me into a house with loving parents. And so for me, I, I always carried that with me. Like I'm here, like my biological mother fought to give birth to me in not so great circumstances. So I have, I'm here for a reason and maybe I even have an obligation to do something with myself. And I think maybe that's yeah. Michael, who going back to your question about some things that fed me was, I always felt like I, I really should do something with this because I was given the special gift. Not that, yep. I mean, my special gift of life is any different than anybody's gift of life, but it's the way I saw it. Sure. Like, this is this is really powerful to me, and I think I should really do something with this. Um, and so that was really, that was really strong for me. Adrian, and some of the things you're saying, I mean, it, in some ways channels some of the more um, famous quotes by, by Steve Jobs. You talked about zigging and zagging and not really knowing sort of where you're going to end up in life. But I, I believe one of the things he said is you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Yeah, right. And he also talked in some way about putting a dent in the universe and the things that that he was doing. And it's a very thought-provoking question, right? When you're putting a dent in the universe, the universe is infinite uh, in some ways, and you you need to put a dent in that. That's, that's pretty significant. Um, but... Uh, if anybody's familiar with the the butterfly effect, uh, effect and how one small thing, a butterfly flapping its wings in Africa can cause a hurricane in the United States and the concept around that, um, it starts to help uh, sort of make putting a dent in the universe a little more practical uh, in terms of the impact sure. that you can have on yourself, on your family, on your community that, that you're, you're working and supporting. Um, so it's, it's, uh, thank you for sharing all that. But what I know John was yeah. talking about the defining moment and you said that's not necessarily the defining moment. What, what was that defining moment in your life <laughs> that caused you to say, hold on, hit the pause button, full stop, time to change? Absolutely. And this one is a no doubt about it moment for me. I, this was in the fall of 2016. In fact, very specifically, October 8th, uh, 2016, it was a Saturday morning, uh, um, um, in Marin, uh, I, I moved here in 2006. So we'd been here for uh, 10 years. And for those of you that are, are mountain biking fans, uh, you will know that the the birthplace of mountain biking is in Marin County, California. 
Now, in all deference to you, Coloradoans, yeah, out there, we're, you might we're not argue gonna that, argue with you. It's <laughs> well, you might. Like, the <laughs> people might say, "Well, actually, it was Crested yes, Butte," yeah. and the Marin people say, "No, it was Marin." I don't know. I live in Marin now, and so it was Marin. Yeah. Um, but anyways, there's some tremendous <laughs> uh, bi biking, but the topography and geographies here is it, it's very steep, and uh, to get anywhere, you've got to go up. And I was uh, starting a climb with three other friends of mine on our mountain bikes, going for a nice ride that we had done several times together in the past. And it was then that I suddenly on this climb lost all the strength in my legs. Like it vanished at a snap of a finger. Hmm. Oh, Shortly thereafter, I became incredibly dizzy, like scarily so. I, I, I like to say, I felt like I was on a, in a kaleidoscope on a merry-go-round going on a roller coaster. I've never felt this wow. sense of dizziness and lack of 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 stability in my life ever it was all i could do to get off my bike i started to throw up all over the place uh, shortly thereafter i got a pain in my chest my friends did the right thing and we stopped riding and we they got me down the mountain which took a long time my friend had a car there he took me to the hospital then known as Bryn general hospital and it was there i found out i was having a widowmaker heart attack Why? and uh I'm told that when I got onto the operating table, that my left anterior descending artery, AKA the Widowmaker artery, was 100% blocked when they got to it, oh. uh, with which has a mortality rate that will make your skin crawl. It's not a good situation. Jeez. So uh, oh they, they got me right at the right time, and I'm very, very, very grateful to be here. And that was my defining moment, and more specifically, once I got out of the hospital, was discharged and was sent home and I was put on, at the time I was still working in financial services in San Francisco, I, I was immediately put on leave for a few months to recover. And I honestly would lay in bed, stare at the ceiling and wonder why I survived. Like, yeah. Why me? Why was I given this yet another chance yeah. at life? Yep. Yep. And what am I supposed to do with this? Somebody somewhere give me a sign. And I would lit literally ask these questions of the universe. I just send them out yeah. and say, universe, give me a sign. What do I do? Do I just go back to my job in corporate America, do the three hour daily commute in and out of the city, doing that cool. deal, getting on that hamster wheel and continuing on that path? Right. Or do I do something else? But if it's something else, what on earth is that? I've been doing you know, post MBA business strategy type work for those firms you mentioned earlier, Michael, at the top of the call and or conversation. And I was like, is that, what do I do? And the answer that came back was pretty immediate and very direct and real for me. <laughs> Almost a voice of God type moment, if you will. The answer was, yeah. use your story to help and inspire people. Man, I love it. And I knew that's good. in that instance, that's exactly what I needed to do. I just had no idea how to manifest it. I was like, okay. I, what do, how do I do this? I have no clue. But that was the moment, Michael, that is very, very clear to me that this is when I knew what my life was all about and where I needed to be going. So a, wow. a highly probable fatal event that you survived gave you a moment where you found your calling to help and inspire people which became your purpose. And now you're in your second act helping Gen Xers 
you focused on on this particular community to get more out of life. Tell us about that journey uh, now that you've you found your calling and your purpose and the importance of finding meaning through that work. Yeah. So, yeah, happy to share all that. So I I I got off leave from work, and I did go back to my corporate job uh, okay. in, in San Francisco, but really wrestled with what I, how do I manifest this calling? And on top of that, by the way, just a quick aside yeah. is after my heart attack, I decided to go find my biological family, which I did. Uh. And it's been a remarkable reunion. I found both biological parents and I have three half sisters and yeah. we're now what, six or wow. seven years into our reunion now and, and one thing and another. Uh, and, but that was all happening in, in early 2017, like reuniting with, uh, with my, my genetic family, yeah, which was super duper powerful and going back to work, trying to figure that whole thing out. And with this, this whole greater calling of helping and inspiring people. So I, I tried to take it all on, which was a somewhat of a fool's errand, I think on my part. But what I quickly decided is I, I can no longer work in corporate America and I really, really don't want to commute three hours a day in and out of the city. Yeah. yeah. So I, I made the decision to resign from my job and take a, a job with a smaller firm locally to where I live. I didn't have to commute three hours a day, more like 20 minutes a day. Um, and I began to try to figure out how to manifest this calling of helping and inspiring people. So I started to blog under a pseudonym because okay. I, I, I wasn't sure what my message would be like and how it would be received. I was very timid and had some fear yeah. about it, quite frankly. <laughs> Eventually, I gained the courage to start writing under my own name. I started a blog. I started to write articles. I started to do public speaking for the American Heart Association. Okay. Um, like wow. you guys, I started a podcast called Profound Awesomeness in 2021. Love that. About tragedy to triumph stories and trying to yes. find stories that could help other people going through something similar. While still mm -hmm. maintaining a job in financial services uh, at this local smaller firm here. And what I quickly or con concluded was this wasn't enough. I needed to go m more and, and do more for oh, people. Wow. So earlier this year, I left financial services. I partnered with a guy I went to college with, and we've started this company called More, M-O-R-E. And the whole premise is we're targeting Gen Xers who want to get more out of life, who want more meaning, more purpose, more fun, more opportunities. This is what this community is going to be uh, designed for. So it is ultimately a community. That's our bet. This isn't a school we're creating. Uh, this is a community where you go. Yep. Uh, and if you are looking for more intentional travel, uh, more retreats that uh, have deeper meaning to you, where you can connect with people who get it, who are like-minded, if you are looking for a new career or calling in your life, this is where we have coaches and programs to help you, where you can work with a community of others who are going through a similar thought process. If you are going through a, a transition that we go through in, in my ripe old age, where you become empty, so many crazy things start happening. It's the sandwich generation. Your kids yeah. move out of the house, presumably. You become empty nesters. Uh, you may lose a spouse uh, yep. to divorce or tragically to death. Okay. Uh, your parents might be dying or having to move into memory care or assisted living facilities or, or some, you have to make deci difficult decisions around your parents' care. You lose your job suddenly at 55. You've been working the same job for 30 years and now you're out of work for the first time and, and you don't know what to do. And on and on and on, we have transition cohorts that you can join 
where we have coaches who help drive conversations and facilitate those meetings. Um, and so we, we are literally at the, at the time of recording this podcast, we are just launching into marketplace now, uh, with things kicking off in earnest in, um, early 2024. And, and that's what we, we plan to really get rolling with what we're building. And this is fully aligns with this calling that I had yeah. to really help people, uh, who are maybe suffering in silence or, or getting spit out at this time of life and are just wondering what their what's next is like they're asking the question is this it is this like i still have a ton of life left in me my body can still propel me through life yeah yeah i've got this energy i i'm i'm not uh held to a to a bed or whatever like i can go do things but what do i do like this is where we want to provide this platform for people uh and when i say platform it's not a software platform it's a, a community platform well, I don't, I don't want to take away from, from this part of the conversation, but there's something that's intrigued me with, with your journey. And it was that, uh, I think you said six day or eight years ago that you reached back out to your bio, biological family and found out you had some half sisters. How, how much healing was in that or what was the learning? Mm. What did you take away from that? Either you took away or maybe your other family you know, your biological parents took away. Can you oh, man. kind of encapsulate that? A bit? Oh boy. Uh, that's a, that's a big one and a, a, a deep and powerful and emotional one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, John, I, uh, I'll try to summarize it. So, um, my biological mother never stopped thinking about me. Wow. And I, I tracked her down through the help of a, a friend of mine who's a genetic genealogist and my first outreach was a letter to her, actually to both my biological parents. And they all live within an hour drive of where I, I live currently. But I sent them each a letter and her, she sent me with my contact information in there, including my email address. She sent me an email a few days later and the subject line was, thank you. And it <laughs> turns out she'd been waiting her whole life for me to reach out. And she had no always way. wanted to reach Man. out to me, but she didn't feel it was in her place. And she had never changed her last name because she wanted me to come find her and thought that I might be able to track wow. her down using her last name, which ultimately did really help. But now with these commercial DNA um, firms like Ancestry yeah. 23 and me, that short circuited some of that, but it was super helpful that she had um, yeah. hyphenated her, her maiden name into her married name, which she did in fact get married later in life. Um, so there was tons of healing for her, like to, to, to it's unfathomable, I think in, in her words, unfathomable to relinquish a child. Um, and so she carried that guilt with her and still does to this day. And we have a lot of deep conversations about this topic, but for her, it brought her, uh, a closure to it, to a sense to as much as one can give a mother, yeah. I suppose I'm not a mom, but, um, I guess it just to extent brought her a ton of closure. What, and, and one anecdote, John, that really floored me and was so moving, uh, is when I met my, um, the paternal side of my family, I met my father and my two half sisters on that side all at once. We met at the, wow. uh, at the same uh, restaurant and we had a wonderful gathering and it was, uh, it was so surreal and, and so wonderful on so many levels. The next day I called both my sisters and just checked in on them to see how they were doing. And one of them confessed to me that she had stayed up the whole night after we had met crying 
And I said, wow. oh my gosh, look, why, why were you crying? Like, what happened? And she said, yeah. all my life, I wanted a brother and now I have you. And I feel oh. that part of my soul is now complete. Man. And that hit. That's good. That hit hard with me. That really landed. Yeah. I thought about it. And it wasn't for a couple months later that really occurred to me that my soul was now complete, having them in my lives, that I had questions I never knew I had, had they had been answered by yeah. knowing them and understanding. Finally, I knew the story that led to my creation. I, I never knew that. I, I didn't know any of that stuff. And so to know how my biological parents got together and, and in fact, they were engaged in their mid-20s when she became pregnant uh, and then she decided that they weren't going to get married and that as a single mother in the late 60s was not supported at all. So she had to relinquish me to a, a family who could care for me. And, and in her mind, it was a yeah. married couple and, and uh, that's what she wanted for me and, and, and placed me in that situation. So yeah, John, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really yeah. deep thing into, and, and, and for us, like we're trying to catch up on lost time. You know, we met yeah. <laughs> when I was 47 years old. So we're, we're catching up on those first 47 years and building on as we go. But one of the eternal gifts that yeah. all this gave me is that, you know, you get to a stage in life and you figure like, well, this is it. Like I'm, I'm married. I got my kids. Like I'm doing the thing and this is my life and I'm just going to carry on and do the deal. And then you have like, Boom, there's this whole new family of yours that you get to meet yes. all of a sudden. And you're like, holy cow, like this is incredible. I got to meet all these people and learn about them and they can learn about me and we can grow together and create traditions together. And I can be the uncle to their kids and you can be the aunties to my children and all this sort of stuff. And oh, it's just been so neat to like get this like infusion of energy and a whole new world open to you at, uh, at, at midlife, so to speak, it's been really cool. You're, well, you're, thank you for yeah. sharing that. I mean, that's an incredible story, Adrian. And you are living out the rest of your life, getting more from life. I mean, literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, totally. And I think you're. I mean, it probably is where you're able to draw inspiration to pass on to others all the different dimensions of your life that has happened to those various stages and. Um, you know, sort of bundling all that up and, and creating a community for for Gen Xers to come to and, and learn from each other and learn from you uh, is going to be a, a, a powerful journey at that uh, as you move forward. So I know John and I are excited for you and for what you're going to bring uh, to those folks who who want to become part of what you're creating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. I feel... For the first time in my professional life, I feel truly centered yeah. with what I'm doing. Uh, it's a little uh, non-typical <laughs> to do what I'm doing. I've got yeah. two kids in college, uh, and I don't have an income at the moment, which yep. is kind of like, what are we doing here, Adrian? Like, what's the move? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my my wife has been eternally supportive, and she's like, you've got to do this. I believe in you. You've got to swing that big bat and take a chance at this. Uh, which has been great to have her support. And so we're going for it. And uh, our website is wearemore.io, not .com, .io. Okay. Uh, and we welcome people to come check us out, uh, reach out to me, uh, how we how we could help, how we could collaborate, how we could partner. You know, ultimately, we want people, I, what really, I, 
you know, going back to the heart attack thing, and this would be no surprise to either of you and your listeners, like it was an aha moment for me to learn how valuable life is yeah. and that we are so yeah. darn lucky for every breath Absolutely. we take and every opportunity we ha have yeah. to make in this planet. And I woke up this morning, literally the first thought in my mind was, thank you for another day. And so yep. I want people who are just out there doing the thing and going about their business to like try to capture this element of getting more out of life and really being intentional about their what's next. Because when it's all over, that's it. Our one shot is done and that's your thing. And so if I can help now, if this at my age group and talk to my age group and my peers about getting to a better place through the and we're doing it through the community of others, like let's do it. Like let's do the thing and get it done and and help people and 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 end this this awful, awful thing of suffering and silence. And oh, yeah. by the way, loneliness, loneliness is a terrible, scary thing. It is a bad news story in our country. It's oh, getting yeah. worse yeah. and worse and worse with every passing year. As we get older, we get more and more lonely. Tons of data on this. Like we need to put an end to that and create communities for people to be with each other because that is when we're we are community people. We are community oriented. We want yes. to be around people. So we have to create systems and solutions for people. So anyways, I'm getting excited. I'll get off yeah, the soapbox, no, no. but you well, get the Adrian, idea. <laughs> you, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say you, in that last few comments, you essentially captured the essence of this show. Yeah. You yeah. know, we are trying to build a community to do exactly what you are doing in real mm -hmm. life. And that's surround people amongst like-minded uh, entrepreneurs and people who are doing their, their second act, who are maybe failing or maybe succeeding, but learning things along the way that we can help pass on yep. to others so that we can be sure. more successful as a community. And so what your life is, is what this show tries to Absolutely. encapsulate. So thank you for kind of wrapping that up. And and I will say that one thing that I'm reminded of when I listen to your stories, you've got some really good people in your life from your family that took you in um, and and raised you to be the man that you are and the influence that you are to your friends that pulled you off the side of that mountain and allowed you to keep going. Um, that is, um, that's succeeding in my book is being surrounded by people like that. Um, that's success yeah. to have those people who are there for you and who will be there for you for the rest of your life. So Man, I, your story is tremendous. I could probably be here another hour <laughs> asking you, you questions. Uh, we may have to make this a two-parter. But um, are there any are there any final thoughts or advice that you would share with with our listeners, people that are in transition or starting something new? Um, Give us a little little tidbit before we wrap things up. Yeah, and let me just tack on to that, John. Adrian, you had mentioned um, having a very supportive spouse and just getting going. And um, you've found your purpose and you're being intentional with your time and what you're doing. But there's there's a level of uncertainty into what the next step is, what the next 10 steps are, how you're going to provide for your family. Help, help us, help the audience understand... Um, how not to get overwhelmed. What are the, what's just the day by day you're taking to, to, you know, staying focused and, and living out the rest of yeah. your life in the way that, that you want to. Yeah. I, what I'm doing is so antithetical to who I am. <laughs> Typically, like I have a plan. This is the deal. I've got yeah. my spreadsheet laid out <laughs> and this is where the money's coming from. And yeah. this is how we're going to. You sound like Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like literally. Yeah. And um, I, I truly, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a great answer for you, Michael, but I, I will say this, that laying in, going back to when I was laying in bed after my surgery, after the heart attack, at hearing this message to, to help it inspire people, to me, it was like, this was not a, 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 a choice for me. This was a true calling. And it was up to me to make it happen in my own way with the skills and experiences mm. that I have. So to do what I'm doing is, as I like to say, a massive trust fall with the universe. Mm-hmm. Like I uh, literally just sort of- Yeah, I like that. Falling back and, and counting on the universe being there, which is- not a great for all the planners out there. Like, how do you do that? But how do you pay your bills? And and I and I get that. I quite frankly ask myself that same questions. But if you if you are able to identify, first of all, follow your follow what's really pure to you. I think that's really important. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I hear that with the second act, what you guys are doing with your podcast. And and I and as I understand you guys, like you're doing it in your own way too, right? Like you're creating this thing for other, because you see this need and you see how you can help people and you are driven by a purpose. And for me, I'm driven by this purpose and I want to see and, and help people be successful in their lives. So that's ultimately important. And if you do that and you do it right, success will follow. And by putting yourself out there, the more opportunities you create for yourself, the more luck and, and opportunities will come back to you. And I think that that's really, really important. And so what we're yep. trying to do with more, like we, we have officially soft launched, we do have paying customers now. Um, we think we've identified a real need in this this age group that we're going after. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm not making what I made several years ago. Not even, I don't make money right now. <laughs> like uh, the, the uh, family P&L is, is a little upside down right now. Um, and, and I have big college tuitions that I've got to contend with. And, but I still, I still, t- I sleep well at night with all that on top of me, knowing that I'm going to come out of this, like, and what is the worst yes. ultimately that can happen? I'll say, I'll maybe wrap my comment with two things. I love what that. is actually the worst thing that can happen. Like the worst thing that can yep. happen is that maybe I fail. Yep. Okay. And then yep. what? like, what, what is that bad? Like, so it didn't work. So you, at least you tried because regrets yes. are the, are the killer. I don't want to get to the end and be like, why didn't I do that? Instead, I went and just got another job and I, I had this whole thing. Like, no, I, I tried it. And maybe I'll be really successful. We will help a million people leave better, enriching lives. And then the other thing yeah. is, besides what's the worst thing that can happen is, is it ever really as bad as you think it is? Like we are, our brains are hardwired with fear, like fear, 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 yeah. um, protect yourself, protect, protect. And yes, I mean, there is ultimately the ultimate worst thing that can happen to you. And let's not discount that those things do happen. Absolutely. But on the whole, on average, when you face something it's never really as bad at the end of the day. And most times when yes. you look at the common denominator of all the times you've been knocked down or things didn't work out, what is the common denominator? It's you and you got through it each and every time. One way or another, it didn't seem like it in the moment. Like I'm never going to get through this. I am yep. doomed. Uh, this is awful. It's over, whatever that initial response is. But you do get through it and you live to see another day and you do get through the next thing and it goes on and on and on. So once you identify, like, I can do that. I'm, I'm built for speed here. I can do this. I'm resilient. Yeah. I can get it done. It should, it, it will be okay. It may not be exactly like the storybook society story that people want you to, to live and breathe, but you get there in your own terms. So I'll leave it with that, but that's, that's how to answer that question. Michael, I think he just summed up, uh, our, all of our episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the of them together. Act. Here we go. It, yeah. 
Yes. I mean, man, follow what is pure to you. That really mm-hmm. resonated with me. And that's what we try to preach is take out, take those steps. Yeah. And it may be a couple steps forward and a couple steps back, but man, in that failure, you, you find so much more to be thankful for and you find so much more growth. Um, instead of that, you know, journey being a straight shot to success. Yeah, and I, I I love the phrase you used, Adrian. I'm gonna put that one in the bank about the the ultimate trust fall with the universe. That's uh, I've never heard that, but I I love it. Um, and I think a lot of people uh, think about that in terms of faith. Just what you know, having faith in in uh, something bigger than themselves to help them through both mm-hmm. the good times and the bad. So. Um, you know, it's, it's truly been a pleasure talking with you today. I mean, we've, we've traversed your life journey, uh, <laughs> that includes, it includes adoption, the life-threatening health scares to finding meaning and purpose, and now transforming these events into your second act and, and really helping and inspiring others. And, uh, and just remind the audience again, if people want to find you, what's the, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. Uh, our website is we are more io and you can find us there i'm on linkedin you can find me there reach out if uh, we can connect or collaborate you've got something on your mind um would love to would love to love to just be there for people and 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 move this whole thing forward so we are more.io come check us out well adrian thank thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh hang with us today i'm sure uh, as I know, I got a ton of inspiration out of this, but our audience is going to get the same and 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 what you've shared. So we'll be sure to include the links to Adrian's information in the episode details, and we look forward to reconnecting with you all next week. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, getting to know you through this podcast, and I, I look forward to seeing big things come from from the more community. Thanks, Michael. Thanks so much for this opportunity. I like I love what you guys are doing. Um, I think your show is is great. We'll have a, have enjoy a lot of success, and getting these stories out to motivate people and inspire them, I think, is really crucial. So, thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the at bat with your with your podcast. All right, um, we'll be sure to include links to Adrian's information in the episode details, uh, and we look forward to reconnecting with everyone next week. See ya. The second act with Michael and John stars Michael Newborn and John Ballinger. The podcast is produced by Seltzer Kings. For more information on the show, check out michaelandjohn.com. Or if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, give the guys a shout on their socials at The Second Act with Michael and John on most platforms. Thanks for listening. You can't stop it.